Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to Swarfcast. Before we start, we have a quick favor to ask you. If you love the show, please rate it and write a review on your podcast app. Or tell somebody about it. It really makes a difference for us, and we'd appreciate it. Okay, on with the show. Again, I think the story is the same, you know, that the logistics is much greater, you know, with multiple machines. I need more labor. I need more floor space. Uh, I have much more tooling employed, you know. Uh, the people, you know, have to check, you know, all those parts individually, whereas my part, you know, is complete much faster. This is Swarfcast. I'm Noah Graff, here with my co-host Lloyd Graff. Today's podcast is part two of an interview we did with Bruno Schmitter, CEO and COO of Hydromat USA. When Bruno came to America in 1979, his competition was National Acme and New Britain Multispindles. Today his competition is mainly CNC Swiss and five-axis turning centers. Bruno argues that having one machine that can do many operations at a time is a better option than having multiple machines, which require more space, more people, and more tooling. Today's podcast is brought to you by Graf Pinkert. Looking for a screw machine, rotary transfer machine, or CNC machine? Graf Pinkert's got you covered. When you're buying any used machine, you're taking a risk. So it's important to buy from someone who knows their stuff and who is going to give you straight information about what you're buying. Graf Pinkert is a family-owned firm that's been dedicated to selling great machine tools to the turn parts industry for 75 years. It specializes in the top multi-spindle brands, including Index, Schutte, Gildemeister, Tornos, ZPS, Acme, and Wickman. They also sell a variety of other types of used equipment, such as CNC Swiss, CNC turning centers, and parts washers. Machine tools are complicated. If you're going to buy one, you should go to people who are knowledgeable and committed to the industry. Learn more at www.graffpinkert.com. That's www.graffpinkert.com. Do you see automotive as longer-term sliding down as far as uh, supporting the companies in the machining world, let's say, in North America? I mean, I was thinking of the switch to uh, electric. electric. Or do you think electric is, is going to be way overrated? First of all, you know, I truly believe that it's way overrated over the next 25 years or so. Um, and secondly, those cars require hydromag components as well. If you think of, you know, the batteries themselves, the Tesla uses, you know, a thousand canisters and, you know, they have some connectors on top of it and so on. And those are made on hydromats. Uh, then, of course, the brake system, the steering uh, system. Uh, they need a transmission, you know, they have a transmission uh, which requires, you know, some pins and so on. Uh, maybe not as many components, but still, you know, high volume components. Industrial components is certainly an important market here in the States. And uh, we, we're going to see a little bit of growth in that. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you know, we developed uh, the new machine, the Eclipse machine, which 
uh, offers a customer uh, really a beast of a manufacturing machine for larger type components and more flexibility. So wh where's the market for that? The market is in uh, the trucking industry and the off-the-road type equipment, um, larger component parts. Uh, there is hydraulic valving, which suits itself, you know, very well to this machine. And then, of course, you know, the, the ir irregular shape type parts, you know, which we clamp, you know, with chucks and so on. How about energy? A little bit of that, you know. Uh, we don't see a lot of energy type uh, related components other than the fitting industry, which would go into nuclear plants and so on and so forth, water, uh, coal, and so on and so forth. More the industrial type, you know, component. Looking back uh, over close to 40 years now, or it is 40, 40 years. 40 years, yes. Mm-hmm. What do you think is uh, your biggest achievement with Hydromat here? I think the biggest, biggest achievement is that, you know, we've been successful over the years. We've never been bankrupt. Uh, I never was arrested. <laughs> I'm still married to the same woman. <laughs> I have uh, three uh, beautiful children, uh, three beautiful grandchildren. And I've been able to provide, you know, a solid job here for a lot of uh, associates. Mm -hmm. So I get a lot of comments about that. I participated, you know, in a high school for like 12 years as a, as the chairman of the board. Uh, I'm currently at a technical school on the board uh, here in St. Louis, Rankin Tech. So I've I've tried to contribute, you know, in the learning process a little bit because I. I learned a lot about it, how to teach people, you know, new tricks and what's important, you know, uh, in growing up and achieving a career. Do you still feel like an immigrant? That is a good question. Um, I do somehow, but on the other side, you know, I'm completely integrated. Nobody would bring that even up. I haven't even heard that kind of a question. <laughs> I've never heard that kind of a question. So it is a good question, however. And um, maybe I'm sad to say that I've never uh, gotten the American passport. You know, I'm still on a green card, you know. Why? That is a good question. That is a good question, an unanswered question, you know. Why I've never done that. But you're a citizen. I'm not a citizen. You're not a I'm, citizen. I'm a green card holder, and I'm legally here in this country. Interesting. You can be here, you know, forever uh, with a green card. I mm -hmm. pay taxes. I mean, nothing really changes other than uh, the passport and the voting rights. Hmm. And I understand you're li spending more and more time in Switzerland, or is that I spend a little more time in Switzerland, yes. Mm -hmm. um, just... Kind of follow up, you know, with our partners over there, mainly the supplying partners for products, and then uh, just some personal interest as well. Mm. You still have a lot of family there? I do have family, but uh, 
you know, over the years, you kind of lose contact you, to your yeah. cousins and so on and so forth. And uh, uh, But I, we still have friends and, you know, we enjoy it over there. Mm-hmm. How about your children? How do they regard Switzerland? They, uh, for the most part, uh, love it over there. Uh, my son spent quite some time over there. He's worked at Witzig and Frank, you know, which is a related company through FFG. My daughter uh, lived uh, over there for three years because, because her husband worked for a Swiss company. So they, they kind of, you know, like Switzerland, but they were born here and uh, they grew up uh, a good life here in uh, St. Louis and they wanted to come back. And your wife, is she a green card holder also? No, she's a, a passport holder. Huh. Interesting. Uh, thinking about that, uh, I think it went back to uh, our accountant from Deloitte, which said um, she should be a passport holder and you shouldn't be. I think that's basically the answer to that. The reason for that is that if I ever would want to go back I wouldn't be taxed, you know, on my worldwide income as an American citizen. Hmm. Interesting. What do you see the biggest uh, growth for Hydromat going forward? The growth is basically through the various platforms of machines we produce. We have about uh, 10 platforms, different styles and sizes of machines. And uh, we need to just perfect, you know, that business. Uh, we need to work on the cost. The cost uh, is a big factor. Right, right. Give me some ranges of cost. Of course, you know, on the low end, uh, we have, you know, still our legacy machine. That's a machine with the valves, with the old hydraulic valves. Did you stop doing that for a bit? Not really. Uh, we, maybe Hydromed, tried to get away from that. Uh, and Fifna tried to get away, but then, of course, you know, we got the competition from all the the ankle biters, as I call them, you know, trying, you know, to keep, you know, the legacy machine alive and so on. And customers started coming back asking for that technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, even a GM facility bought a whole bunch of uh, legacy machines because they wanted to stick, you know, with the control valves. So uh, we're going to keep that on. That machine, you know, would sell, you know, at the low side of about 500,000. And then you, you get Before it. the units? No, no. No, with some simple units and so on, you know. Do you usually put CNC units on it? On no, those we when don't. you sell them? No. No, we really don't. Uh, except, you know, maybe a single station type unit. But I'm referring to a, a, a strict legacy machine, which has, you know, straightforward units valves mm-hmm. and that's the end of that you know and then but after is, that i'm sorry there is definitely a market you know in that particular field for low cost production right and after that if we get into the epic machines the epic 2 machines the epic fanuc machine which uh, has you know pretty sophisticated controls which makes it easy for the operator to troubleshoot and so on and so forth but those machines would start at a million, going all the way up to two million. So now the control is—I'm—I'm I'm a little confused. So for a while, it was just 
Epic, like your own proprietary control, and now you're combining with Fanic. How do, how does this all work? It's a little little confusing. Uh, uh, it's basically up to the customer. You know, the Fanuc control is a little more expensive, but we can equip the machine entirely with Fanuc controls. The Epic 2 is basically a new version of our own controller, uh, the Epic, and it uses some Bosch components, you know, so it's more of a commodity type control. So there's the Epic control and then there's the Epic slash Fanuc control? Yes. Okay. And then in Europe, what are they using over there? All kinds of stuff? They use all kinds of stuff. They used, you know, uh, Siemens, as you know. I don't think they've ever done, you know, a Fanuc, uh, but they use Rexroth. They use Bosch. Uh, that's kind of, you know, their package. If you see the European machines, they typically have Siemens controls on there. Mm-hmm. How would you summarize your relationship with Fifner today? Mr. Fifner? No. The, oh, the company. The company? Very good. Very good. Uh, we have a good manager over there. He reports to Jamie Chu. Uh, he's in charge of Fifner, Witzig and Frank, and Emas. Hmm. Uh, but they give us very good service, and uh, it's it's a good relationship even though we're financially not connected anymore. So they're your supplier. That's correct. So we pretty much, you know, decide what to buy, you know, from the Pfiffner factory and what, you know, to build inside, in-house, and what to uh, purchase, you know, around. Who's your biggest competitor? It's got to be, you know, the, the single spindle machines, the more sophisticated uh, Star Citizen Tsugami machines with uh, twin spindles and turrets. Uh, they really are competitors. Hmm. There's no two ways about it. On the screw machine side, I, I see those machines uh, fading away more and more. Uh, I think, you know, Index is selling maybe, you know, what, three to five machines, six machines a year uh, on multiples. But uh, there is nobody else. Uh, Tornos has basically... Uh, sees that program and uh, I think you know the Brits you know don't make any screw machines anymore you know okay so somebody comes in and he says I'm debating what do I do I can buy eight citizens or I can buy a new epic give me your sales pitch the sales pitch is fairly easy that uh, to place you know eight uh, citizens, I need, you know, a lot more operators. Uh, for a hydromat, I need to have an operator, maybe less. Uh, my logistics is so much easier because I uh, shove the bar in there and the finished part comes out. And uh, if I have eight machines, I have to, you know, check eight parts uh, because, you know, one machine does only an eighth of the production. Uh, the maintenance, you know, is more involving, you know, the Hydromat is, is a workhorse. It can work 24-7. Uh, and uh, what I've seen so far, uh, the single spindle machines aren't as beefy as, uh, as, as strong. Number two, the Hydromat can not only do a round 
hex, square, irregular shape type components. Uh, therefore, uh, she is much more versatile, you know, for less money on top. Some people would argue the Hydra-Man is, is less versatile than uh, having eight Swiss machines where you could, you know, be running on a several different jobs. Yeah, but then again, you know, if you do a square job, how are you going to do that? If you do a irregular shape type components, how do you do that? I can convert my machine from a bar feeder to a loader, very simply. Mm -hmm. Just pick and place. Uh, the lathe, you know, are pretty much confined, you know, to round bar stock material. Okay, how about the, the person that says, look, I can buy four... And I've heard this from, I won't say who, but I can buy four Maratas uh, for what the Hydromat's going to cost me. And I'm, I'm making more money with those four Maratas than I'm making with a Hydromat. What do you tell them? Again, I think the story is the same, you know, that the logistics is much greater, you know, with multiple machines. I need more labor. I need more floor space. Uh, I have much more tooling employed, you know. Uh, the people, you know, have to check, you know, all those parts individually, whereas my part, you know, is complete much faster. Uh, so I produce, you know, more parts uh, an hour, obviously, on a single machine versus maybe two or three of those machines, you know. Once you get to eight machines, you made the wrong decision buying Marauders. Uh -huh. If two machines can do it, that's a different story, you know. Uh, but to have so many machines is floor space, is people. Listeners, do you have an idea for a future episode of Swarfcast? Or is your company interested in advertising on the Swarfcast podcast? If so, please send us an email at swarfcastpodcast at gmail.com. That's swarfcastpodcast at gmail.com. So what would you like to talk about? That's a good question. Uh, again, I'm trying, you know, to prepare the company for the next generation, I suppose. I try to uh, spend my next years fine-tuning the various aspects of the business uh, I've always loved to be involved in creating new uh, machines, uh, creating new uh, applications and so on. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be doing that for a few more years. What are you better at today that you, than you were 10 years ago? And what are you not as good at? I've always got what's good at anything, you know, anything, <laughs> anything I touched, you know, uh, turned to maybe no gold, but to silver. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I think, you know, I'm kind of a hybrid uh, engineer. You know, there is not too many guys like me who know the details, mm -hmm. the actual details on a drawing versus talking to a customer trying to sell machines. Uh-huh. You know, because I kind of can switch. I can uh, meet up with engineers and, and criticize, you know, what they've been doing and so on and what the tolerancing is concerned, what the SBC may relate to versus uh, selling someone, you know, in a restaurant or out here on the floor. Uh, I'm equally as strong, I would say, you know. 
maybe a little cocky, but that's how I that's how I started out here in the U.S. You know, pretty cocky with 25, 26 years old. You know, but you know, God forbid. You know, hopefully we have a few more years in this business, uh, and again uh, we're looking for opportunities. Uh, uh, Edge is doing very well. That's mm-hmm. the bar feeder company. Yeah, uh, we're trying to promote. Uh, our machine shop a little more. We've invested a lot of money in the machine shop just to be vertically integrated, making a, a lot of different components mm-hmm. also for the new machine, the Eclipse machine. And so now, you know, we want to brand uh, that machine shop on their aspect uh, just to kind of break a little bit away, you know, from Hydromat. Obviously, it's still a Hydromat uh, uh, division, but... Uh, help out some of the local companies for aerospace type component parts mm-hmm. and, and other machine type parts. Uh, we see a need for that. You must have sunk a fortune into the Eclipse machine. You think you're going to get it back? We, we, we did this uh, very prudently, you know, because we kind of designed it ourselves. Uh, we bought the component parts, you know, uh, very well uh, sourced, and so it's going to shake itself out. Is there a big enough market for it to justify it? That is a good question. That is very a good question because I'm a little disappointed about the feedback, you know, we had at the IMTS show. You know, we had a big showing, as you may recall, you know, with the motorcycle, with the new machine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the machine really looked good, you know, you can tell uh, people were extremely impressed, you know, with the yeah. the beef and you know the the cutoff capabilities and so on and so forth, you know. But that I would walk away without an order, yeah. you know, kind of hurt yeah. me a little bit, you know. Yeah. Because in the good old days, you know, I mean, we sold machines at the show, you know, from two to six machines, you know. So do you think if you can get eight or ten out in the field? that uh, you'll hit the threshold that uh, is going to shake it loose or will prove to yourself that there just isn't a real market for it? That uh, is to be uh, explored, you know, how that's going to shake out. But you're exactly right. We would need about 10 machines in the field to show, you know, other competitors, you know, that there is a better way of making big components. Uh, because right now on, on complicated, complex, large components, I need multiple operations. Yeah, there is machines which can do it complete. Uh, for example, an index machine with the double spindles and so on. That machine is what? Seven, eight hundred thousand dollars, you know. Or more. Or more even with the bar feeder, you know. Yeah. So I compete really well against, you know, those type of machines. So... The first customer is very excited about it. Uh, he can see uh, multiple machines in the future. Mm-hmm. And the part is a good part for uh, off-the-road type, you know, components. Mm-hmm. Well, it's been great. When, uh, you want to talk about something else? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the future of Hydromat is on my mind, you know, every day. Um, what should I have done differently, you know? Do be in a better, you know, market type situation. That is probably something, you know, which plagues me somewhat, you know. Uh, but think about it, you know, we've tried a lot of other things. You know, we had at one time, you know, single spindle machines in our program. We sold the Monero machine, the KMX, 
Oh, you may yeah. recall that double turret, single spindle. Mm, I forgot that. Built one. about, you know, what, 60 machines here. Uh, then uh, we went uh, into a partnership with Tornos, you know, multiple spindle machines. It really kind of was a good match, but, you know, we just never could break loose. The price point, you know, wasn't competitive. Right. And so that kind of fell apart, you know, with the new ownership of, uh, of Tornos. Uh, the Eclipse was supposed to, you know, really kind of come out strong out of the gate. And, you know, that really didn't happen, you know, as uh, planned. So I think, you know, the conclusion is to do uh, more of the same, you know, improve, work on the pricing, uh, educate the customer some more and uh, maintain the story. Right. And the bar feed business has been evidently very good. And it gives you an insight into the single spindle world, I that, would think. That is absolutely uh, uh, true. That is correct. Uh, the people across uh, here uh, do extremely well with the bar feeders. They establish themselves. They know the business really well. Uh, they can advise the customer properly. And uh, we have competitive pricing from uh, entry level to top of the line between the Edge product and the F&B product. So this is really a good line. Uh, it's doing well for us, and uh, I think it's going to continue in this vein. Can you think of any other uh, thing that could work like the, uh, uh, the distribution of uh, bar loaders, where there's... Uh, you know, uh, unrealized potential in a very, very competitive, overworked machine tool world? Uh, there is a couple of uh, devices, you know, which probably would fit the market. The question is if we want to get involved in that, if we want to throw good money after bad, mm -hmm. uh, we could be maybe in the chip conveyor business, in the pump business, in all sorts of other, you know, segments. And then I think we would dilute our effort. You know, that's yeah. kind of the bottom line uh, focus in what you're doing, you know, uh, because yeah. the salesmen, uh, yeah, they probably could handle something else, but uh, they're so multi-talented that they can actually help the customer fix a problem on a bar feeder. Uh, he's not just a salesman. He's an applications type person, and that's part of the success. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. It's been great. Thank you, Bruno. Gentlemen, thank you for coming down here, uh, spending a little time in my four walls here uh, to be continued, you know? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think I still have to write a book, you know, with all my episodes in this business. <laughs>